So I remember uh, one night, years ago, long time ago, I was a kid, I was home with my family, and we were watching TV. Um, I don't know if it was all of us, but uh, definitely my parents and a, at least a brother or a sister or two. And uh, I was, I think, 11 years old. I don't even remember what we were watching. But this commercial came on, and I remember the commercial. Um, it was actually, it was an advertisement for a TV show that was on the air uh, on this channel, it's channel five. And it was, uh, some of you may remember this, it was only around on for about a year. I never saw it, but I remember hearing about it. It was sort of, kind of controversial. Um, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Some of you may remember that if you're of a certain age. It was, from what I know, I, I looked it up a little bit. It was uh, Norman Lear was the creator, producer of it. He did like All in the Family and a lot of those shows in the 70s. He was a very uh, big critic. Uh, he was a big critic of like the religious right. Very, very progressive politically. And uh, this show was, I'm told, was kind of like a satire. It was almost, it was done in a, uh, like a soap opera kind of format. But it was just sort of a satire on the, the, the culture and our, our values, kind of mocking traditional stuff. But this commercial, it's probably 30 seconds long, was really kind of shocking. Uh, certainly by 1970s standards. It was just very crude and very raw. I'll leave it at that. It just was, uh, it was not, absolutely not something for family viewing. Like I said, it was, this was 1976, so probably, sadly, wouldn't be that shocking today. Although, I think it kind of would, but We've gone so far in such a dark direction, it seems to me. But regardless, it was a big deal then. And we just kind of watched it. We were like stunned. And then my father got up and he went into the kitchen and he went to the phone. This is back when phones were attached to walls. And he got on the phone and he dialed uh, information. And he asked for the phone number for Channel 5. Was that WNEW, I think? He got a number, called the station, got somebody on the phone, and he lit into this person. This poor person had no idea, you know, she was working the phones, but my father was livid. He, I, he, I remember him saying something like, I'm sitting here with my kids and this trash has been thrust upon us. No warning. I remember him yelling. Uh, we were kind of stunned by his reaction. That wasn't his MO. I mean, very much we had TV shows that were off limits. He had a clear sense of what was okay and not 
but he wasn't somebody who would normally get up and call, make a phone call. And, and I remember hearing him say, I don't, it was a Sunday night. I remember hearing him saying, I don't care if it's a Sunday night. I guess this poor operator was like, sir, it's Sunday night. There's nobody even to talk to. He was like, I want to talk to somebody. I want a manager. I want a name. And we all just sat in silence in the other room, like, what is he doing? I think he felt like his home had been broken into. I think he felt that, I know he felt that people were stealing his kids' innocence. And he wasn't going to lie down. He would not let that happen without a fight. That was like 45 years ago. And I remember the, the emotion, this very out-of-character expression. It's like, you won't invade my house. And I love him for that. I wasn't thinking that so much then. I was just sort of like, why is dad flipping out? But with some years and some maturity, I'm like, man, he was, he, he was so right. I think that's what good shepherds do. They do lots of things. But they do the likes of that. Because good shepherds are the ones who are supposed to protect and defend and watch. I had a funeral yesterday down at St. Mary's. And it was for uh, a guy who, uh, from the parish, um, he was 85. He had cancer, very aggressive cancer. He uh, was diagnosed in February. And I didn't know him, but I kind of got to know him. I talked to his family a little bit, got some of the facts of his life, but then I really feel like I got to know him at the funeral. Just watching the family, watching their response to the loss of their father and grandfather and husband. You know, as a priest, lots of funerals in the course of a year, three parishes even more, I guess. Sometimes you're at a funeral that's just so different because you just look, you look at the people that have been left behind and they're so heartbroken, they're so crushed because they love this person so much. And you just don't always get that. Man, I got it yesterday. This guy was a Marine, you know, when he was a young man, and successful guy, but you know what it was like? Everything in this guy's life was his family. I asked the daughter, I said, so what did he like to do? 
She was like, <laughs> he just liked being with us. He just really wanted to be around his family. She said he loved the beach, but he wanted to be with us on the beach. The oldest grandchild, grandson, got up, spoke about his grandfather, and he just described this guy who was such a part of their lives, like just like forever on the sidelines of their lives. And I'm looking at these other grandkids and they're crying. I was looking at the, the son-in-law, he's bawling his eyes out. Yeah, this guy was such a great shepherd. Good shepherd. You know, we're warned in this gospel this morning about bad shepherds, false shepherds. You know, most of us kind of know the, the, basic, the basic facts of uh, this image that Jesus used. I mean, none of us, long time ago in a different part of the world, and None of us were walking around shepherding sheep, literally. But I think most of us kind of know the story, what he was trying to communicate. The good shepherd was the one who would spend lots of time with his sheep, and he talked to them endlessly, very intentionally. Sheep weren't smart. They got lost a lot. So it was like, the more I talk to them, the more they'll know my voice. And the good shepherds named their sheep. And as dumb as they were, they at least would learn their names. So between the name and the voice, they would follow him. In fact, what they said was, what a lot of shepherds would do was that they would kind of like pool their resources. So they'd come together at night, multiple shepherds with their own sets of sheep, and they'd kind of come together in one sheepfold. It was very practical. Part of it was just for safety, strength in numbers, right? So if there's now five or six of these shepherds together, we'll keep away the wolves or whatever other threat might be out there. And they said it was very practical. It was sort of like a source of company for these guys who would live pretty solitary lives, these shepherds. But then we get this warning. What used to happen once in a while was a shepherd would come in who was corrupt. He was false. And his objective was to steal away sheep that weren't his. So it was subtle. He would be there and he would just listen and listen to the voice of this particular shepherd. And he learned to imitate his voice. And he learned the names of his sheep. So he'd get up in the morning before the rest of them and he'd pretend he was the other shepherd. And if he figured out the way he spoke and if he, if he remembered the names, he could steal them away. Whoever doesn't enter the sheepfold through the gate but climbs over elsewhere is a thief and a robber. A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. They come in sheep's clothing, but in reality, they're wolves. Protecting the sheep from bad wolves, from bad shepherds. You know, we, uh, 
over at the school, uh, Mrs. Khan, the principal, announced, I guess about two months ago, that she was going to retire at the end of the year. She's been here for 10 years. Um, so as soon as you know, I heard that, I had to begin to organize a search committee to get a, a new principal. It's been a very interesting couple of weeks. We've had interviews. I think we've come up with a, a really solid um, person who will take her place. You know, in, in, in speaking with these candidates, you know, we talked about academics and the importance, critical importance of that. But we're good at that. I mean, it could always be better, but we're, we're, we're getting it done. I think we're getting it done everywhere, really. But I stressed this with these candidates. I said, uh, I need somebody who is going to protect the sheep. Like really protect the sheep. Because more and more we're living in a culture that's gone sideways. Like we've lost our bearings as a people, culturally, morally. Our schools have become corrupted. Our public schools, they've gone off the rails. Teachers who've gone rogue, teaching craziness, teaching biological and biblical lies, stealing away the innocence of little kids. It's like, you are not gonna be talking to my second grader about this or that. You will not do that. Hey, it was, it was like my father's anger 45 years ago. And I've been saying to these candidates, it's almost like I use the image of like a firewall. Like you build a firewall to keep the fire out. Like it will not get in here. And that's what I wanted so clearly to communicate to these prospective shepherds. That craziness will not enter the walls of that building. And we need to step it up even more. It's like, hey, we could all relate to this. 10 years ago, we had a crazy, wicked storm and it knocked us all on our backsides. So a lot of us, we realized, you know what we gotta do? The flood waters are this high, we gotta build the house that high to stay safe. So Catholic schools need to step up all the more who we are and what we're about and an alternative to what these false shepherds are communicating. And you know what? Everybody can't or won't go to a Catholic school. I get it. We need, we need to get to our public school, school board meetings and light them up, storm the castle and say, enough of this, we're losing ourselves. Secure your sheepfold. Protect your sheep. Keep the wolves away. 
and save the sheep.